Freight Waves continues to fall. The incredibly sad story of Indianapolis-based carrier Seldon Group abruptly shutting its doors, leaving 4,000 people without jobs weeks before Christmas. We here at Freight Waves want to help. Freight Waves has established a free job board for companies to post their openings and for people looking for employment in the freight industry to share their resumes. There's no cost for anyone to participate. Hundreds of jobs have already been added to the site. If you're looking for employment or have a job to post, head to FreightWaves.Careers. My name is Brian. I'm a co-founder and general partner of Refashioned. Refashioned is a venture fund which we're building to invest in startups that are building innovations to refashion global supply chains. Uh, and my companion this afternoon is Graham. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is uh, Graham Parker, and I am CEO and co-founder at an enterprise SaaS company called Containers. So Graham and I have known one another for what, going on three years now, maybe? Yeah. Um, and so we'll... We'll talk about some of the things that we discuss in, 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 in private, and hopefully that's interesting uh, for you guys. Uh, but Graham, I think I told you I'm always interested in the human interest story, the personnel side of uh, founders' uh, uh, stories. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be building uh, software te technology for the shipping industry? Yeah, um, so I, I think I was always uh... I was always an entrepreneur when, when I was a kid. Um, I opened a, a, a corner candy store when I was 11 mm -hmm. um, and moved to home deliveries about a year later. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, always had an interest kind of going through kind of school and college in international trade. Yep. Um, and I actually dropped out of uh, college in the middle of my business degree. Mm -hmm. um, my, my family were utterly shocked. And I had this opportunity through a friend of our family to get involved with a shipping company. Yeah. And I was just fascinated. It was just a different world. As yeah. a 19, 20 year old, you know, this was probably around uh, 2001. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just having an email address back then was cool. Was cool. <laughs> Sounds yeah. crazy, yeah, yeah. but, yeah. you know, sending emails to, to Asia in the morning and finishing your day with phone calls to the US in the afternoon, because I, 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 from Ireland, um, you know, it was, it was absolutely fascinating. And then, when I was 22, maybe yeah. two years in, I thought, hey, I could, I could set up my own uh, freight forwarding, freight brokerage business. Yep. And I did that, um, and I wanted to do a million dollars in sales my first year. Everybody yeah. thought I was totally crazy, but I managed to do it. Wow. And then I doubled it every year. So I went one to two to four to eight and plateaued at just under 20 million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and got you know, huge experience in my 20s traveling the world, uh, you know, talking to lots of interesting customers and yep. meeting shipping lines and freight forwarders. Yep. Um, and around 2013, I realized that software was really was eating the world. It mm -hmm. wasn't quite in freight yet, mm -hmm. but it was really only a matter of time before it was going to happen. Um, I saw lots of, uh, you know, my big customers doing great deployments with, you know, CRMs like Salesforce and getting the value add. And, you know, I was still obviously phoning them and using a lot of Excel sheets. And I just thought there was a huge opportunity to, uh, to build a freight technology company. Um, and coming from the back, from the freight world, I wanted to build something that would enable and empower shipping brands. Yep. So I had a, a great friend called Charles Lee, who's my co-founder. He's a, a Cambridge-educated computer scientist. Uh, he was actually part of the team that remapped the human genome. Wow. Incredibly wow. smart guy. So we got together and we thought, hey, 
if you've got somebody from a technology background yep. and somebody from a freight background, Correct, yeah. you can build something meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually proved to be the case when you look look now a lot of companies, if they have one or the other, yeah. they're not quite as strong. As, as strong, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. kind of led yeah. us to, 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 to yeah. building containers just over five years ago now. That's awesome. Um, so, so, so that's a great segue into focusing more on what specifically containers does and why you chose the approach that you've chosen. So what's the problem that container solves um, and, and why the specific business model that you're pursuing? So I guess, um, kind of high level, Brian, what we wanted to do was enable shipping brands and build great software that could make a difference in businesses immediately. And we looked and we thought, actually, a lot of the software that's been deployed you know, in the last decade and the earlier part of this decade has been you know, non-customer-facing software. Um, if you're a freight forwarder, especially in shipping lines or in NVOCC or in OTI, which is our primary customer categories, you have an operating system, but your customers don't necessarily benefit from it. Mm -hmm. They still need to email you and call you. So we wanted to build, you know, reimagine, if you will, customer-facing software, yep. to build software and deliver it in a SaaS way, an easy, fast method, mm -hmm. where freight brands could get a digital execution capability. Yep. Um, and that's really what Containers is. We have a suite of products now. Um, our enterprise product, our flagship product, is used by five of the top 20 global shipping brands. Wow. Uh, we, we have our medium tier product that's used by forwarders in, uh, in over a dozen countries, and we've just uh, launched an exciting new product for small shipping brands. And, 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 and this has been accomplished by, what, 28 people? Yeah, so we're, <laughs> so we're, 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 we're 25 people now. 25, 25 people. people, so. Wait, did three people quit in the last? Well, I'm, I'm being, I'm being disingenuous on? to us. I'm only counting the full-time employees without, without so we're, we're three contractors and 25 full-time okay, people. But uh, yeah. when I look around at the companies we're competing with, we're a little bit smaller than them. But, yeah. you know, agile is good, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so what, what have you learned now that you did not know when you were starting? Uh, because I know that there, there, there's some, some folks here who are just getting st started in building a software for shipping. Uh, what, what have you learned now that you did not know then, and, and what advice uh, would you give those people? I think, you know, freight is one of the biggest industries in the world. Um, you know, 95% of the world's cargo starts its life in ocean containers. But it's, you know, like a lot of these pillar trillion dollar industries, you know, the move online is a multi-decade event. Um, and, you know, when you're an enthusiastic entrepreneur building great software, you want to get it into the hands of everybody. And distribution really isn't, in the, in, isn't a, you know, a big problem in today's world. It's about the mindset shift, um, which, which takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, there's been ways that people have, have done things for decades, and that takes time. And I think kind of understanding that, that, you know, no matter how good your product is or your team is or your brand is, um, you can only grow as fast as the market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I think that's something that um, I wouldn't say we fully understood three years ago, mm -hmm. um, and we've started to understand that more now. And I think 2019 actually has been the watershed year. You know, everything has moved so fast this year. It's been you know, five times what 2017 and 18 combined were. Wow. But I think, um, you know, understanding that um, mind mindset takes some time mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. of the software and the delivery side. Okay. And we, we, we've, um, we've also spent some time talking about fundraising 
right, when you've been debating, do we raise, do we go out and try to raise some capital now from VCs? What's that yeah. pro uh, process going to be like? And when John and I first spoke to you, uh, maybe three, uh, three years ago now um, or so, there were far fewer VCs who were investing in supply chain technology or freight. I think you could probably count them on one hand. Um, there are a few more now. Uh, most are very young funds. Um, what advice would you, as a, as, a, as a kind of founder that these funds are looking to, to back, what advice would you give them? Like, what do you need in, in addition to capital? Uh, what have you found that made it easier to talk to some VCs that you've spoken to than others? Uh, that sort of thing. I know this is a bit of a yeah, an I, oddball question, yeah. but <laughs> no, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I think you know, obviously, we've seen um, you know capital explode in freight uh, in freight technology, particularly over the last twenty-four months. I mean. Yep literally billions of dollars. Um, Freightwaves had a great infographic recently where they showed that the pace of freight technology investment has now surpassed fintech. Yep. And obviously fintech is becoming more mature, but you know, the numbers going into freight tech are phenomenal. Uh, when I think of fintech, I think of fintech as a subsector of supply chain yes. investing overall, right? Because yeah, that's true. You have fintech because you want to get people paid for yeah. work that they have done or things that they've produced and sold. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. Definitely, and I think the, you know, the, the number of VCs has obviously increased with the amount of, of capital that's going in, but I think on the point I made earlier, I think you know, if you're uh, a freight technology company raising money, I think what's really important as well is to kind of, you know, in, a, in a more mature industry vertical, like if you're building a CRM, um, or even, you know, as an example, a CRM, uh, you know, you've got a very mature market. You know exactly the market size. You know that the companies are ready to buy our product. Um, you know, and what we do in containers today, we sell software, but we feel like we need to deliver a lot more. We need to deliver a lot of value, education, understanding of the products. And I think as you look to raise money, um, you know, I, I think money is a super advantage, but trying to deploy it in the right way is very important. And the point I was making earlier about is that if you've got a great product and a great team, but the market isn't there yet, when you deploy capital, you need to, you know, do it with a return in mind in, in the next few years. And if the market isn't quite ready, that's very difficult. That's very difficult. So right. trying to understand and trying to get some traction early and understanding your market. So, you know, if you get to a stage where you've got your first hundred customers on or your first couple of dozen customers on, and it's a question of pulling the lever down with more money to multiply it out, then I think it's a great opportunity to, to, to raise money and amplify that and grow. Um, but I think it's important to also realize that, you know, freight technology is, uh, is still relatively young. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think uh, it's dangerous to over-raise too early and set mm -hmm. expectations. Yeah, yeah. So where, when I talked to you on Friday, I think you were in Europe. Yes. And you had just come back from Asia. Yeah. And then you were coming here. Where are you heading to after this? What's traveling been like? Why are you traveling so much? <laughs> it's totally insane, I guess. So on, on Sunday, I'm, uh, I'm flying to Thailand to speak at a customer event. Okay. on Monday, and then I'm going to China, Singapore, and Hong Kong, wow. and then back to Marseille and Copenhagen on the following Monday, Tuesday, wow. and then back to the US the following week. So I guess there's a couple of things. First of all, it's the traditional year-end, so 
we've got our we've got our year-end budgets to hit so we're we're visiting customers at the end of our our sales cycle to mm -hmm. to do final meetings um but i do think it also goes back to the point i made earlier when i look at our pipeline and um, the maturity is one thing but companies um in 2017 and 18 i think they were still thinking about technology mm -hmm. what solutions do i need to deploy there's a you know, such a multitude of different uh, products out there. 2019 for us has been the year where companies are making decisions now. They're looking to buy products. They want products that they can get value with very quickly that are simple to use. Um, so I think that has kind of amplified the opportunity and has kind of accelerated um, certainly our pipeline and I'm sure a lot of other uh, freight technology companies' pipelines as well. Okay. Um, and I was telling you this as we're prepping backstage but while I was walking around a couple of us were having a conversation and someone asked the question you, you know convoy just raised 400 million dollars and I think the question was what is what's the limit going to be for the amount of money that startups in in supply chain, uh, uh, logistics can raise. Um, what's your, what's your yeah. take on that? So I think you know we're coming to the end of a year, but we're also coming to the end of a decade. And I think if you look forward to the next decade, I think you know there's going to be a huge increase in the implementation of freight technology. But actually, if you think about the fact that we're very early, I mean, you know, an another freight technology company raised a, a billion dollars in a round. Mm -hmm. and, and somebody said to me, you know, it's, it's an obscene amount of money, and, and it is. But if you think about, you know, your point, Brian, on technology intersection between fintech and freight tech, I mean, yeah. Uber is a, f you know, is a transportation company yeah. outside of Uber Freight. And, you know, they've raised $20 billion yeah, yeah. Uh, to tackle a, a market that has maybe 50 to 100 billion of an opportunity. So if Uber have raised 20 billion to tackle that opportunity, um, and I know they've grown the market size as well, but you know what is the ceiling on a company or companies that want to um, grow in this sector? Is it is it terrible to think that a company could raise 20 or 50 billion if the market opportunity is, you know, what is the spend in in, in freight globally over a trillion dollars? Yeah, yeah. So I think. You know, over the last five years, as companies have raised bigger rounds, 5 million, 50 million, 400 million, a billion, it sounds a lot, but if you just take a look at the wider software world, um, you know, companies are raising billion dollar rounds and more. And I, I think we, in this coming decade, we will see a lot more billion dollar yeah, rounds. I, I didn't think about it then. Uh, at the New York Supply Chain meetup in May, uh, we had. DHL and JD.com, JD Logistics. Uh, and Gordon from JD Logistics talked about their Series A. And I think their Series A was a $2.5 billion Series A. Wow. And, and so, so now that I think about it, I'm like, the $400 million that Convoy raised. It's, it's not a lot. It's not. It's not. How much did Alibaba do on Singles Day? On, on Singles Day, right? billion or something. Right, and, and all that you has know, to be. It has to be serviced with their logistics arm, right? You know, and JD.com did some ridiculous thing, and SF yeah. did some. Uh, so when you think about the numbers, that you know, billion-dollar yeah, rounds are not. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Not yes, as obscene yeah. as they sound. Yeah, it's, it's it's not as in context. It's not as as obscene as it sounds. Um, <laughs> So uh, I, 
I don't know if you saw this article, but there was an article, I think, in the Wall Street Journal, and it talked about how the port optimizer a project at the port of LA that GE Transport is running is having some difficulty getting shipping companies to contribute their data, and, co and collaboration in maritime has been a theme for as long as I've been paying attention. Um, what's your take on you know, shipping companies, collaboration, innovation, technology? all those things. Yeah, I, I, I think I briefly saw the article and I think, you know, traditionally, you know, shipping has not been, you know, it's been very much an offline industry. Yep. So kind of sharing of data um, is not the norm. Um, and I think, again, at the stage where freight technology is, the acceleration, it's natural for the expectation to be, for this data to be shared. And it's also natural for the the companies that hold that data to think of it as a competitive edge, edge. and a competitive edge to actually hold on to it. But I think, you know, for us, when we think about 2019, it's the, it's the point of, we passed the point of no return on freight technology. When I speak to um, some of my friends that are industry veterans, they talk about, you know, technology cycles over the last couple of decades, but this one is different. And it's different this time because, you know, you, know, you talk about um, JD and Alibaba. I mean, Amazon are now their own freight forwarder. They're moving hundreds of containers every day as their own freight forwarder. Um, you know, you've got uh, you know, one of the most iconic uh, trucking brands in the US, JB Hunter now and NVOCC. You've got Kuhn and Agel and Maersk launching literally dozens of platforms over the last uh, number of years. And these are the industry leaders and these are the market makers. When they're all in, there is no, there is no return. And I think that pressure will um, you know, filter down and there will be uh, and a kind of a, you know, an insistence that data is shared and the ones that share it last because I think in a couple of years there'll be no question of sharing the data. Yep. I think they, they will lose out and, you know, you see a lot of great um, uh, products like IBM's Trade Lens ones where they're bringing lots of stakeholders together, together. Uh, with a view of sharing data and building platforms for the betterment of the entire industry and everyone, you know, every stakeholder, yeah. um, you know, and as, as you know better than me, the supply chain it filters down into everything. Into so everything. everybody yeah. has an advantage, the carriers, the end users, everybody. Yeah. 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 All right, so we're down to two minutes or so. Um, what should we expect from containers in 2020 and, and, and subsequent to 2020 in the next decade? Um, so I think for us um, next year, um, you know, again, being an e-commerce brand for a lot of the big shipping lines and freight forwarders, Ocean Freight has been our kind of our core theme. But when we do Ocean Freight today, uh, it's it's door to door. So we build in trucking, rail, barge. Um, so you know, trucking is a part of what we do in, in, within the Ocean Freight world. 2020, a big theme for us is going to be air freight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing that blows my mind is that a lot of the airlines are so far advanced on dynamic pricing on passengers mm -hmm. for decades sure. that really the APIs are only opening up now. So we're super excited um, next year to push into air freight and to be able to deliver um, software algorithms for our customers where they can get real-time pricing, real-time uh, view of cargo availability. Um, so that will be a, a huge part of what we do for us yeah. to become um, a true uh, multi multimodal across all sectors for our customers. And then, you know, um, we're, we're fortunate enough to work with, as I said earlier, five of the top 20, and, you know, we get these incredible kind of ideas from our customers that we build into our core product for all of our customers, large, medium, and small. 
so we do you know 25 to 30 non-maintenance releases a year, wow. which is pretty significant. So we're t you know we're we're delivering new products all the time. One of my favorite ones for next year is you know there's a lot of buzz around AI. I don't mm -hmm. think the data the data is certainly big enough for in, in in our industry, but it's not at that stage of getting it in and out of systems by API easily. Mm -hmm. So we think about machine learning first. And one of the best uses we see for machine learning is contextual assistance. So when we deliver these e-commerce solutions, um, you know, the next stage of that is, hey, Brian, it's Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Would you like to get rates for China? Because that's what you well, do. Well, no, the, the question should be, would you like neon yellow sneakers? <laughs> Absolutely. But the supply chain let me down. I was supposed to get delivery of a pair of trainers in yellow that would have very much matched Brian's orange ones. We could have just sat here with incredibly <laughs> cool-looking sneakers, and we didn't have to talk at all, right? Well... <laughs> On that note, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Brian. You. Thank you.